All right, so I'm just gonna roll here as they leave the Shire and they go off to Bree, and then we'll do a little bit of weather top, and we'll end class with probably a 45-minute lesson on the Fellowship of the Ring when Frodo chooses to take the ring. Okay, again, part of what I'm trying to do is give you these clips of the movie of this story and to show you how we can pull it into our lives. And I'll give you several different examples of that as we roll today. You can hit the lights. All right. And here they are leaving the Shire, right? So go Sam, go Frodo. I think we ended up where they were at that little tree, right? And then maybe even uh, Gandalf the wizard in the wizard's duel, and he's the scholar and is betrayed. Powerful, right? Shortcut to mushrooms, we get Sniffy Dude. Watch out for Sniffy Dude, right? Yeah, you might want to run away from anybody who's trying to sniff you. Good, good policy. Um, they realize that these ring wraiths are hunting them. Buckleberry Ferry, they end up at Bree. Bree's fabulous, lots of great metaphors. It's the big people. It's They're out of the Shire now. I think for some of us, this is, yeah, we're, when it comes in pints, right? So great, so great. Right, then we get that here, and they're, they're getting a taste of a, a different experience. Oh, there he was, oh, wait, wait, all right. Who's that dude? Strider, right? So metaphor stuff, when I read through Lord of the Rings, when I watch these movies, and I'm teaching it to high school students, we get to a place like Bree, and this is really where Frodo's gonna launch on the journey, right, as they leave out, at least in the movies, who does, I mean, he has to get through the old forest in the books. And there's some powerful metaphors with Bombadil and the willow tree and the, the barrow whites. I'm jumping over them for time's sake here. But we end up in Bree, and he's got to get to Rivendell. And they bump into this guy, Strider, right? And he's staring at them. Actually, he's been part of the journey for way longer than they are aware of, watching over and protecting them. But who is he? He's Aragorn, but who's Aragorn? The king, the king. Like, I, I, don't miss the metaphor. Who is Tolkien saying you need on your quest? The king, you need the king on your journey. And you're like, yeah, well, what? No, for real, for real, we need the king on our journey. This guy's got healing hands. He's a tracker, he knows the way, he's wise, he has experience, he's got a huge massive sword, he knows how to fight the enemy, he'll protect them, like all of those different things. I just think it's intriguing how many of you are not just taking the Bible or Christianity off to college. This is like, this is the whole this is not a pipe concept. They don't just take information about Aragorn on the journey with them, or a book about Aragorn, Aragorn goes with them on the journey. The king is literally with them. Are they even really aware of who this guy is? They hardly know him, and they almost write him off. And this is where I think for some of us, careful, right? Christ joining you on your journey might look and feel different than what you grew up with in Sunday school or what you maybe even been taught about of what Jesus or the Holy Spirit is like on the journey. He's very different than they, what they would expect a king to look and feel and be like. But how would they navigate if he wasn't there? It'd be horrible. He'd be dead. They'd even be dead that night if he wasn't there. right? And so we get this whole thing. Uh, this is 
an accident, but Gandalf said never put it on. He has an accident in your metaphors. Does anybody in the room ever had an accident and they almost died <laughs> like, or made a, a poor decision, like half drunk, drink, he's dancing on the table, oops, right? Um, and then Aragorn takes some ownership of the journey. They almost get stabbed while they're sleeping. That is so freaky. And then they get this great word from Aragorn. I want to play this. I heard first time I heard this, I was like, "Ooh, well written." I mean, it's basically the gospel story, the biblical narrative, in a couple minutes. What are they? <laughs> they were once men, great kings of men. Then Sauron the Deceiver gave to them nine rings of power. Blinded by their greed, they took them without question, one by one, falling into darkness. And now they are slaves to his world. They are the Nazgul, ring wraiths, neither living nor dead. At all times they feel the presence of the ring, drawn to the power of the one. They will never stop hunting you. You're like, oh, hey, thanks for the encouragement. <laughs> like, These horrifying creatures will never stop hunting me. Good thing they have him to explain what's going on. So there's just that. But I, this, there's another metaphor here that I really appreciate that I have not leaned into like I have. I am now. In the past, I haven't done it like this. But I'm finding a, a more of a pressing need to lean into this metaphor. I've always mentioned it. We've got these now. It's one thing to be free from sin, to have found freedom in the journey from sin that entangles us and ensnares us. Great. Like, that's huge and that's really important. But it's another to naively think, oh, cool, I conquered my sin and I'm never going to have to deal with it again. Is that the case? On planet Earth, we, we could be free from sin. And sin may not be something that is ensnaring us on our journey, but are we ever really not going to have to deal with it? No, it's where? It's everywhere. It's everywhere. You may not, thanks, you may not be struggling with porn or lust in your life. That's awesome. Hopefully you found freedom. I found freedom in my own life, but does that mean I never have to deal with it? No. And I, I think it's intriguing. If we forget that truth, we may not finish well. And I am intrigued right now. I'm looking into this even more as I'm turning, you know, maybe halfway in my life and my journey. And how am I going to finish my journey? I want to finish well. How did Solomon do? Did Solomon finish well? Actually, no. I love David. He's a man after God's heart. Christ is in the lineage of David, city of David. We got the whole David thing. Like, David's awesome, but did he finish well? Uh, yes, no. Like, it's tricky. I, I think of even John the Baptist. Bless him. He's amazing. But in prison, he was struggling. Because he's like, are you really the guy? Like, what's going on? I'm going to get my head chopped off here. And I'm not bashing those characters. I'm just saying, I want to try to finish well. And when I look at someone like Paul, I've run the race, right? I, I've persevered under these trials. Paul finishes well. 
it's hard to actually find a lot of examples of people who finish well because it's really hard to do because it's so easy to forget that does the enemy just all of a sudden like oh well I'm going to back off of that guy and not worry about him anymore yeah, think of Billy Graham you can do what you want with the guy but at the very least he finished well a very long journey Part of why Billy Graham was able to finish well is he knew that the enemy was never going to stop hunting him. I don't know if you know, but part of how he protected his legacy is he was really careful who he spent his time with. He always had someone with him, so there was accountability. He had accountability with his finances. He had accountability with his media contact. He had accountability with his interviews and people who he spent. Like, he knew that actually the more famous he got, the more the enemy would what? attack and so he knew that he was always being hunted and knowing that he protected himself as best he could to finish well fair enough I think it's a powerful lesson for us especially nowadays go Frodo which here we go we go they talk about 11 Z's and suppers they get yeah, I know get eaten alive so good yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, not really sustainable when you're not a hobbit. All right. Uh, they work their way through the midges and they end up at Weathertop. Good idea or bad idea to light a fire on the side of a hill in the dark when you're being chased by Nazgul? Really bad idea. Like, really, really bad idea. Right? So the friends screw up. That attracts the enemy. Frodo gets stabbed. Good idea or bad idea to put the ring on? Gandalf said never put it on. He already messed up and almost died. This wasn't even an accident. What does he do? He puts on an evil ring thinking it's going to help him fight evil. When we use evil to fight evil, does it work? No, it actually makes it worse. Try Cover up your lie with another lie. It's not going to work. Right? Cheat to cover up your cheating. He learns this lesson the hard way and gets stabbed by evil. Aragorn, where was he? He's supposed to protect him. Where was he? Actually, he was out doing his job in the book and the movie. He was out scouting and tracking. So he was doing his job, but was he there to protect him? No. no. So the protector wasn't there, and he gets stabbed. This is brutal. Now, he fights off. I love that. He fights with fire and sword. Bring it, Aragorn. It's legit. right? But Frodo is hurt, and Frodo needs help fast. Um, Saruman is making evil enemy to finding new ways to create evil, uh, but Frodo needs help. I want to pause there. It's an awkward little pause, but we'll take it. And we go back to Weathertop, and I don't want to just completely blow past that, but Frodo is wounded. He gets wounded. It's a bad wound. What kind of wound do we have here? He didn't skin his knee. What happens? If he doesn't take care of this wound, what will happen to him? He'll wraithify, but basically he's off the quest. Does that make sense? So this is the type of wound where if he doesn't deal with it, he's off the quest. Does this happen on our journeys? Do we get wounded? I want you to think even right now in some of the stories that you're looking at, 
And uh, have you found the wound yet? Harry Potter, does he get wounded? Early, right? How about Luke Skywalker? Oh, yeah, Dark Daddy chops his arm off. You're like, talk about a father wound, right? Dark Daddy, do you imagine your own father chopping your arm off? Like a horror. Hey. Hey, there we go. Can I give these back to you? But like, everybody gets a wound. Actually, let's be really blunt. You'll find it in almost all the movies. There's always a father wound. No matter how awesome your dads are, guess what? Are they God? No. Nope. So guess what happens for everybody? We all get a what? Yeah. <laughs> but we all get a father wound. Mom wounds happen too. Although moms are awesome, so you know sometimes they don't happen. Uh, but usually there's a parent wounding, sad, but real. Little uh, Nemo, Nemo gets wounded, this is Gimpy Finn. And what you'll see in the stories is the hero, main character, characters are gonna get wounded. Is it always physical? No. No, actually, Often the wound will be physical. It'll be a sickness or a trauma or a limb or an eye or something. But it can also be emotional wounding, spiritual wounding, relational wounding, trauma wounding. And so think about that in your stories where the wounding may, has hap may have happened. And I'm pausing here on the wound because A, it, we all get it. We're all either wounded already, getting wounded right now, or you're gonna get wounded. It's just part of the story. Why do I know that it's part of the human story? I, I've been there and done that, but why, why? Who, in the biblical story, who got wounded? And everybody in that story, like everybody in this Bible story get wounded. Humans are wounded creatures. We get wounded. And actually, thank you, Jesus is the wounded hero. If our main character, Jesus, is the wounded hero, guess what? We're going to get what? Wounded. wounded. And it's even intriguing to me, we spent a minute or two on it last class. In heaven, Jesus actually will have his scars? What does that maybe say about some of our wounds? Yeah, some of our wounds. Like, there's no sickness in heaven. There's no trauma in heaven. There's no pain and suffering in heaven. But some of our wounds are part of our journey, an essential part of our journey, right? They're actually part of our hero quest. And, and the way that they become a part of our hero quest is when the hero does what with their wound? Victory, right? They have a victory over the wound. They have a healing over the wound. They allow it to shape them and transform them. That's why I want to pause at the weathertop scene. Uh, many of your stories have really profound metaphors. Tolkien has one here that's kind of that really cool metaphor where if you hold it in your hands and you look at it this way, ooh, cool metaphor. Then you spin it, you're like, oh, there's another new metaphor. And you look at it from the bottom, new metaphor. This weathertop metaphor has three or four, five, six different layers you can pull from it. I want to give you a few right now just to show you what you can do with powerful metaphors in your stories, okay? So the wounding. 
can be when your friends screw up. So at Weathertop, did the friends screw up? They made a bad decision, fire on the side of a hill, and attracted the enemy, Frodo gets stabbed. On your journey, could it be possible that your friends will screw up and who gets hurt? You get hurt, right? Is that possible? Maybe it's already happened to you. You're in the backseat of a car, your friend's driving, they're texting, car flips over, you get hurt, your friend's fine, your friend screws up, you get hurt. Does it happen? I have an interesting story for you. Yesterday I was doing this lesson, and I was talking about the Lexi Youngberg Award that's going to happen. All right, I had Lexi Youngberg in class as a sophomore, and then also as a senior, and uh, she was my TA with half of her leg removed. And we processed a lot of that. We got to share the journey together. It was a real honor and a privilege. If you don't know the story, Lexi is on the back of a jet ski. A friend is driving the jet ski. Friends are driving boat. They make some really poor decisions and poor judgment. And Lexi ends up in the water dying with half of her leg severed off. But she's rescued. But her friends screw up. Who gets hurt? Lexi. So is her journey over? Is her quest over? No. If you were at the awards ceremony last night, you saw for sure her quest is not over. But how, what did Lexi have to do? If your friends screw up and you get hurt, what do you have to do with your friends? What's one of the first things you gotta deal, deal with? You gotta talk, you gotta forgive them. You don't have to, but if you don't forgive them, good luck on your journey, right? Frodo forgives his friends, it's almost even implied. They screw up, he never even really brings it up again. There's a forgiveness. So Lexi had to forgive her friends. That took some good therapy and some good counsel, but she got to a place where she could forgive her friends. That was important. But is that, she can't just keep going. What else does she need to do? She had to book it literally as fast as she could to a hospital, stop the bleeding, get the surgeries, get the help. And then was it still done? No, she got physical therapy, emotional therapy, spiritual therapy, so she can go on her journey but so much healing happened for Lexi that she ends up training for the Olympics? Is her quest over? Not in the slightest, right? She was able, in her wounding, to not play victim, to find victory in and over and through the wounding by getting the help that she needed. Edward got the award yesterday. It was really cool. I had done the lesson, and Edward Googled Lexi and learned all about her and all this stuff. I was like, oh my gosh, it's a real story. And then he, he gets the award last night and walks down and he sees that he's been Googling her and looking at her Olympic training stuff and all, all the journey she's been on. And then he's walking across the, straight, the stage shaking her hand last night. It's pretty cool how God set that up for Edward. But Edward, Edward! Got wounded pretty bad this year. You guys were part of that. Could he have given up and played victim and had a crummy senior year? Easy. Could have easily done that. I've seen students do that with their hurts and their wounds. Edward chose to not play victim. He chose to let God redeem it. He chose healing. He chose hope. And it has turned out to be a great year for him. A powerful life-transforming moment in his wounding. He's got the scars to prove it, but he's also got the healing to prove it. Fair enough? So, 
That's one metaphor you can take from this. Friends screw up, you get hurt, you find the healing, you move on. Good idea or bad idea for Frodo to put the ring on? Did he choose to do that? Did he screw up? Did he get stabbed? Yeah, whose fault is that? (laughs) On one hand, you have this whole concept of Gandalf said, don't use the ring. Frodo chooses to use the ring. Frodo gets stabbed. You don't have to raise your hand. Anybody here make a bad decision or disobey somebody and get hurt? You don't have to raise your hand. Maybe you've never done it. Bless you. I have. (laughs) There's plenty of people who make bad choices and screw up, have bad judgment, or just disobey people and get hurt. You know what? Who do you need to forgive if that's you? Yourself. There's so many people, so many students who are carrying around shame from a dumb decision in high school or junior high or earlier or in college. How many people graduate college, they made dumb decisions, they disobeyed somebody, they made a bad choice, and they carry around this shame. They've wounded themselves or let themselves get hurt, and they never find the healing. It's really sad. Frodo forgives himself, books it to Rivendell, gets healing, and does what? Keeps going. Some of you in the room probably need to deal with forgiving yourself and taking care of your wound and going on the journey. This last one, I'll just take five or six minutes. I won't push too hard on it, but I can't skip it. I just, I can't. It wouldn't wouldn't be doing justice to the human story, let alone Tolkien's metaphors, let alone half the ones that you guys are studying right now. The protector, Aragorn, was not there. Frodo's protector wasn't there, and what happened to Frodo? He got wounded. He got attacked and hurt. I mean, can he really fight off five Nazgul? Is this really his fault? Come on. No, I know most of you, most of us would have done the same thing, trying to hide, although using evil to fight evil doesn't work. But he would have tried. But I, you can't blame Frodo here. Aragorn, his protector, wasn't there. And actually, when he showed up, he would use the sword and fire, right? Sword of the Spirit, fire of the Holy Spirit to fight off this attack. It's powerful. He's able to fight them off. He just wasn't there. Some of you need to hear me say, because no one's really said it to you with authority, it wasn't your fault. You got hurt. If we look at the stats, just the stats for just sexual abuse, it's 40% of the students sitting right here in the room. That's 4 and 10. That's 8 and 20 in my classrooms throughout the day. Let alone verbal abuse, physical abuse, spiritual abuse, which can be just as damaging and hurtful and painful. These are gaping wounds that often happen when we're kids, but we don't even have to be kids for the abuse to happen. Are they real wounds? Come on. Yes. I'm not trying to drudge all that up in the middle of class. I just, we can't deny that it's a reality. I watch so many students who have been hurt and abused with gaping, pussy, festering wounds from childhood, and they're trying to ignore it and go on their journey. If Frodo does not deal with this wound, what will happen to him? He'll wraithify. He'll be taken off the quest. 
I'm just saying, like, A, it wasn't your fault. You got to hear that. B, did it happen? If it did, then C, what do you got to do? <laughs> Hopefully, find a forgiveness that you need to find, <coughs> but you got to book it and go get some help. Get that there is there help available for those types of wounds? Yes, there's help available. Actually, this is the time to do it, guys. For most of you, your college has free therapy. Take advantage of that. Get down to the counselor's office. Some of you need to deal with it this summer before you go to college. Book it over to CDH or go talk to a pastor or go get the therapy you need. I mean, we're looking at nine years of therapy right here in your teacher powerful stuff that helped me find freedom some of you do need some healing prayer I don't know what it's going to be for you but if you have been wounded like that now is the time like go get the help it's so awesome when I watch students who will take a week or two or four or two months or a semester off of high school to go get the therapy and help they need it's really sad when other students mock them for that and make it harder instead of celebrating it. But it's really powerful to watch them find the freedom that they need. And they took the time it takes to get the help they need. Fair enough? Go team? I know it's heavy stuff, but it's also real stuff. And it's also the metaphor that Tolkien offers us. And it also represents the woundings that happen on our journey. Let's keep going. I just did that metaphor and uh, Arwen shows up in the book it's Glorfindel with a big horse and you know what I'm not going to blame Peter Jackson and his writers for having Arwen ride Frodo off to Rivendell a little girl power never hurt anybody right and actually some of us can't make it on our own we need to be driven to the hospital <laughs> fair enough so like, I'm fine I think that actually adds to the story in a unique way or it gives us another option for metaphor plus every junior high boy wants Arwen to ride him on a horse to get help like there you go so I'll pay the 10 bucks for that all right but I just talked about the wounding and this visual aid I taught this before these movies came out when the movies came out I loved this visual aid it's powerful and beautiful and it gives us an image of some of you are sitting here today wounded and not healed ready Tolkien shows us Peter Jackson shows us what you need to do if you have this kind of wound. There it is. How fast should you go get help? Today. Next week. This summer. The beginning of freshman year. Get to Rivendell and get the healing you need. Right? The metaphor here, how many of us feel like that sometimes? It's like, ah! They're trying to, like Joseph and Potiphar's wife, book it. Run. A pre drone. This is legit helicopter shot, right? Well, that is just awesome right there. Get to Rivendell. Oh. 
got the opera going. People don't like that because it's not in the book. I think it's fine for a metaphor, uh, but we gotta layer it out. She's like, "Oh yeah, come and get him," but she does that from a safe place. Um, I like the turn. Many of you are gonna find this in your stories that you're studying. It probably would be called the confrontation moment, where the main character has to do what with the enemy. <coughs> has to deal with the enemy. I love it. Tolkien, in Tolkien, it's, I love. he sets it up as a turn. I would call it the turn moment. And we see it throughout the story, but it starts building and building and building. And you get Frodo, who's outrunning these Nazgul. They're horrifying. It's a nightmare chasing him. The enemy is chasing him, hunting him down. And it's one thing to run. We're told to flee from evil. Joseph runs from Potiphar's wife. Check, check, good, good, good. But do you want to spend the rest of your lives running? from the enemy. No, because it's exhausting. It's also not the design. Tolkien knows this. We see it in scriptures. Does Jesus just run from Satan all the time? Are the disciples, when they are fully trained and empowered by the Holy Spirit, do they just, like, do they, are they running around scared of Satan? No. I believe we're in that true myth story I believe this is meant to be a pointing truth for us. Tolkien as Frodo in the books get to a safe, ready, a safe place. He's inside the boundaries of Rivendell, but then Frodo turns and he looks at those black riders and he's got this great quote, go back, go back to the land of shadow. You shall have neither the ring nor me. Right, and he like flops off his horse, but he turns and faces the enemy. Gandalf on the bridge of Khazad-dûm, outrunning a Balrog. What does he do? That's what makes this so epic. He does what? He turns and faces the Balrog, and then knocks it off the bridge and goes and kills it. That's awesome, right? Eowyn. And the Lord of the Nazgul, Eowyn's like, I am no man. She turns and faces it. We see over and over a turning and a facing of the enemy. Aragorn is playing defense, 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 defense. Hey, thanks for the pass. Eventually, what does he end up doing? Oh, yeah? Fine, let's go. We go and knock on Sauron's door. <laughs> let's go. 
turning and facing the enemy. Have you done this yet? I think many of you are at a place where you could start doing this. Make sure you're at the safe place, a solid identity in Christ, knowing the spirit in you is greater than he was in the world, and really trusting in the power of Christ. And guess what you can do? Guess what this Bible teacher is going to encourage you to do with your worldview? Ready? Turn and face who? Come on, who? Satan. Get off my back. I'm adopted child of the king, citizen of the kingdom of heaven. My dad's the king of the universe. He's filled me with his spirit. You have no authority, and he shares his authority with me over you. Greater is he who is in me than you, Satan. Back off. Come on, right? I've just watched so many students who spend their <coughs> lives scared of Satan, scared of the enemy. I, I get it on one hand. On another hand, maturing in your discipleship journey is getting to a place where you're not afraid of that guy anymore and you're kicking out demons because you know who you are in Christ, right? Yeah. From a safe place, but an important moment for you on your journey. It's an important moment for Mr. D on his journey. I shouldn't be teaching this stuff if I haven't done it. <coughs> I had to do it. I've had to still do it. Turn and face the enemy. Okay, keep going. Frodo's rescued. Gandalf and Elrond make this big thing. Right? Come down and wash away those ringers. They're not dead. They come back, but they've been taken care of. And the writers of this script nail it right here. Mr. Anderson, welcome to the Matrix, Neo. Uh, <laughs> You're like, wait, wait, wrong movie. He took the red pill. <laughs> you are in the house of Elrond. And it is 10 o'clock in the morning on October the 24th, if you want to know. Gandalf. Yes. Hey, I'm Rivendell, right? On your journey, the hero needs a place like this. If we think about Rivendell as a metaphor, there's perpetual fire, perpetual praise and worship songs, good food, good counsel, wisdom, 
you learn your place in the quest, you get equipment, <laughs> you get fellowship, you get support. I don't know what that is for you. To me, that sounds like a really good church. Maybe what the church should be. Not all of them are like it. But I think a really healthy, good church is like a Rivendell. There's healing, there's hope, there's provision, there's community, there's fellowship, there's vision, there's worship, there's fire, there's story. Yeah? Maybe a good hospital. Maybe grandma and grandpa's house. I don't know. <laughs> right? But there's a lot of options for Rivendell. At the very least, Rivendell is a place of healing and hope and safety. Refuge. But also wisdom and counsel and where the journey continues. Frodo did not choose the ring earlier. He didn't really choose the quest. It was given to him. And Rivendell changes. At the end of today's lesson, what is Frodo doing? No one would blame him. He's already a hero. Getting it here, he's already a hero. Nobody would blame him for going back to his hobbit hole at this point, right? But what does he do? He, he chooses the ring now. It's one thing to inherit Christianity or to inherit your faith or to inherit the evils in your life that you have to deal with. It's another to what? own it, to choose it, to make it your own. Hmm. Alright. Uh, Gandalf talks to him. I was delayed. You gotta love that. right? And then you get the little moth dude who gets the eagle dude and he jumps off and in Isaiah we hear about soaring on wings like eagles, right? In the Lord of the Rings you actually get to do it, which is pretty cool. I want to go on a field trip and do that there. All right. And then we learn. Oh, wait. Where, right. Right there. Anybody recognize that? Rivendell. Yeah. That's Howard is painting right there on my wall. So it's Rivendell. And when uh, we were chatting, actually, you can see behind Gandalf's hat there is a Frodo. He's got like, he's at the thing. When Howard and I were chatting about what mural to do, I was like, oh, 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 Rivendell. This is one of my most important lessons of the whole semester, although I've said that about how many lessons. <laughs> yeah, uh, one of my favorite lessons. Um, but I actually would like you to consider my room as the porch at Rivendell. My room like a Rivendell where you get to choose your quest as you graduate and head out of here. I like my room set up like this because it's the Knights of the Round Table or theater in the round like Shakespeare. But for, for class now, especially Rivendell, and so I appreciate Howarda's amazing artwork, but it's also kind of a great reminder, like that's today, that was painted for today's lesson with that in mind. So we could get a sense of feel for that. We learn a lot, they, they connect, he's healing, Bilbo's there, we reconnect with that old story, right? No one would blame him for going back. We deal with the, uh, the legacy of Isildur not throwing the ring in and what that means. Right? He had that chance to destroy evil but didn't, which allows it to perpetuate. We get a sense of um, a, the tension between a steward and a, and a 
who's missing the king returning, although Aragorn's not shirking his responsibility, but there's some tension there. It's hard to steward. All right, we're all in that place. The sword is broken. I wanna pause here. I love this metaphor. Um, Christ prays in the garden that we would be one. When I look at that sword, I think church. I think scripture and what we as Christians have done with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I just, we fractured it so much. There's so many different denominations, so many different perspectives. When imagine if in, our, in your generation, we could create a deep sense of unity of the truths in scripture and to be able to use that sword against the enemy. It's a great metaphor that we could go deeper into. I just like throwing it out there. How can we reforge scripture into the weapon it was meant to be? It'll take a king. It'll take the elves to do that. Oh, can you feel the love? Oh, smooching on the bridge, just like junior, senior. Wait, no. Oh, right. And you get this whole backdrop of a love relationship, which is powerful and really great, actually. It's all there in the story, but it's a backdrop of the story. And here we are on the porch. Some people are frustrated that it's all masculine, it's all men. I actually like to lean into that a little bit just for a moment. Could nine female characters destroy the ring? Thank you for not letting that pause. I have too many students who are like, oh, I don't know. Are you kidding me? <laughs> right? Could girls do it? Yeah. They might even do it a little better sometimes. Right? Like, maybe they would, right? Like, it's interesting. Here's the key. It's not about a gender issue. On one hand, yes, there's gender stuff, and there's, there's beautiful things with gender and scripture and what God has designed for men and women and masculinity and femininity. Just don't think that Tolkien's writing about only guys can do it. That's not the point. Girls could do it wonderfully and beautifully, differently, but they would definitely have the victory. What would happen if you put five guys and four girls or four guys and four girls on the trip for 12 months camping and traveling together? What type of story would it inevitably turn into? A romance. I mean, look at, look at uh, Twilight, you know, like they're all like, it's all, it's a romance, right? Like, and so romances are great and powerful and important. But Tolkien has studied literature and he knows that if we put that as part of the story, it'll distract from the story. The Arwen-Aragorn romance is powerful. Tolkien was a total romantic. Look at his, the story with he and his wife. It's beautiful and powerful. So he's not anti that. He just knows that if we don't keep it single gendered, something's gonna get taken away from the journey. Fair enough? So let's not let that detract right now. Um, there was a wisdom in that for the storytelling, because the purpose is the story and the metaphor. Here they are on the porch. You're gonna hear Elrond say, friends of old, strangers from distant land, we're all gathered here, and he'll say, you must unite or you will fall. I went to Wheaton Academy, bless you. Had we done this lesson 25 years ago, it would be a little awkward to try and play it out in the room. Um, if you take all of my classes throughout the day today, right now with people who are absent makes it a little tricky, but if everybody was here throughout the day in each of my classes, could we say 
strangers from distant lands are in my room right now. Yeah, the international program has really helped with that. We literally have people from all over the world at Wheaton Academy. I love that. We have a long ways to go, but we're doing better with at least racial integration at our school. We're not there yet, but we're way better than we were 25 years ago when I was here, <laughs> right? I like this. Tolkien does not shy away from the different races, dwarves, elves, and men, let alone the, the denominations, the way they worship Ilvatar, who's the god of Middle-earth. They all worship him and relate to him differently. I think that's pretty cool. From distant lands and distant countries. They're on that porch, it represents the unity of what we could have in the body of Christ if we really leaned into it in a healthy way. The point is, let's stop fighting each other and let's fight the real enemy. Fair enough? So as we do this, I'd love for you to lean into this. we got about 40 minutes, and this is one of the main lessons of the semester in regards to the true myth concept. All right? Lads, friends of old, you've been summoned here to answer the threat of Mordor. Middle-earth stands upon the brink of destruction. None can escape it. You will unite or you will fall. Each race is bound to this fate, this one doom. Bring forth the ring. Throw it. All right, so I got the pause. Not yet, not yet. We're still in this story. I got the pause all right, so there's no little fingertips in the uh, screen there. Just ring a little bit. Here we go. Tolkien's brilliant mythology, his brilliant story. They take this ring, this little piece of jewelry. You okay? They take this ring, this little piece of jewelry. They go on a big old journey. You drop it in the hot lava. And then what happens? What? They win. Like... Power is diminished. Evil is destroyed. Right? That's awesome. Go team. Can they do it? Yeah, it takes a fellowship and a big journey. And they take a little piece of jewelry and we're good. If, that, if you think it's about the ring, you've missed Tolkien's mythology. You've missed the metaphor in the story. It's not necessarily just about the ring. What does the ring represent in their story? If they don't destroy this powerful evil ring... What will happen to them? They will be destroyed. Rivendell, destroyed. The Shire, what? Enslaved, burned, and destroyed. Right? If they don't destroy it, it will destroy them. You could think of several things during World War I, World War II, and post-war II that if the globe at that point had not dealt with certain issues, what was going to happen? What was happening? Yeah, England, United States of America, uh, countries were slowly getting destroyed and overrun had they not taken care of the oppression. Fair enough? And that's before and even after the war. So Tolkien has, uh, sees it right in front of him. And there's way other, many other issues going on at the time. But in Lord of the Rings, if they don't destroy this, it will destroy them. Right? Okay. Gun. Nice job getting the ring to my classroom. Bring forth the ring gun. You can set it right here on the, the journal. All right, ready? Whew. 
Let's give it up. Come on. Give it up right there. Great job, Gun. Well done. We got the ring come all the way here. There you go, all right? All the way from Panama, we got the ring to my room. There it is. Now, if we have this little metal climbing wrap ring, if we took it down to the Crusher in West Chicago at lunch today, and they crushed it and destroyed it, and that would diminish all of the evil power on our planet. Anybody want to go? Anybody willing to help? We get it there, and you're like, oh, that's lame, Mr. D. Okay, fine. We'll have to take it down to, like, some volcano in Mexico. All right, and we'll throw it in the hot lava, and it'll boil down there in the hot lava. Anybody want to go on the big adventure to Mexico to throw the ring in the hot lava pit? Well, I mean, it's going right now, but it's you got the water. I mean, you know, maybe we could use the eagles to get there, right? So, right, so maybe Hawaii would be an okay second guess, right, on what we would need to do to get rid of this ring. Now, if we go to Hawaii or Mexico and we threw this wrap ring in, would it destroy all the evil? Again, that'd be like listening to Jesus' parables. Like, I'm not a sheep, Jesus. Like, what the heck? I don't get that. What's with the sheep thing? Like, we're missing the metaphors. So, ready? Let's do it then. In our world, right now, today, this is where, this is way beyond homework, way beyond even, even just high school and Wheaton Academy, if you want to catch it. What in your world, your world that you guys are growing up in, Illinois, United States of America, your planet right now, if we don't take care of it, if you guys, you guys don't deal with this issue, if you don't destroy this issue and take care of this issue, it's going to destroy you and your culture. Anybody? Something coming to mind? Huge. I mean, and it's really interesting is, Back in the day, I had to try to convince people, like, it's not sustainable. The industrial revolu revolution here that's going all over, and the new one, like, we are ruining the planet. Like, we actually really are. And you guys, do we have to, I have to sit here and convince you guys of this? No, the, it's, the, the verdict's out. Like, can we keep going at this rate? No. We actually literally can't. If we don't, if you guys don't figure it out, Ready? 25 years ago, this was an issue. In Tolkien's time, it was an issue. But what's been happening lately? <laughs> it's exponentially getting worse and worse and worse and worse. You guys, give it, how about for your kids when they're in high school? If you don't deal with this, give it another 20 years, where will we be? Worse. Oh my gosh, I, I don't, yeah, it makes me even wonder. <laughs> What the world will be like in 25 years if we don't. Now, there are some countries who are really actually trying to deal with the issue. The United States, we are way behind in the game. Part of me wants to say, okay, so who's going to do it? Okay, that's fine. If no one in this room is going to do it, I'll go to, the, I'll go to St. Francis and ask them. Like, mm -hmm. See, I think some of you are like, okay, cool, metaphor, Mr. D. This isn't metaphor. Like, this is like your world. I'm, I'm crotchety old guy now, right? Like... I'm trying to help people deal with this for my children as they're growing up in a very real world that is crazy polluted with an unsustainable lifestyle right now. Like, it's not sustainable. Okay, let's do another one or two. I'll give you one that's, that I think is horrifying and sad at the same time. Is, did I have to deal with porn when I was at Wheaton Academy? 
No, it was around. It was around. Mostly on paper and maybe pop-ups every now and then, right? The lust industry, the sex industry, the porn industry, is that diminishing or growing in our culture? Exponentially growing right now. Sadly, the stats would say that the sex industry in the United States of America is top five, one of the top five grossing industries in our culture, financially. Horrifying, like horrifying that that's one of the top industries in our culture. And it, by the way, it's where? <coughs> Everywhere. You guys, that's 25 years. 25 years. When I was at Wheaton Academy, look what has happened in 25 years. If our culture does not deal with this issue, where will it be for your children in high school? Can you even imagine? We might be going back to where temple prostitution was just a normal part of culture. <laughs> like, what the heck? Back in the day, like, hopefully we've come on diminishing that, but we're not diminishing it anymore. Like, it's back with a vengeance and all over the place. So who's going to take on the porn industry? Who's got it? All right, we got somebody. All right, there we go. Cheers. Right, easy or hard, by the way. Yeah, who wants to take on, who, how, how are we doing, now careful, I don't want to get a side conversation, but just generally speaking, the United States of America, how are we doing with our political situation? How, how's Illinois doing? Like, how are we doing, you guys? Like, before, we, before we go, how are we doing? <laughs> Here's the thing. People who want to go in to fix that, they try to go into the government situation, they go into politics to fix it, easy or hard? Oh my gosh, it's so hard to try to fight something evil without using evil to fight it. Like, it's overwhelming. But you guys, think about it 50 years ago, think about it 100 years ago, like things are actually changing. Like it's not like, oh, it's always been bad. They're getting worse and worse. How about corporate greed and corporate corruption? Why can we even change this? That's nothing we can do. Come on, ready? Right here. He got it. What is what? What happens right here? What does Boromir go? Oh, well, we can't just march into Mordor, right? That, that's the whole. That's the whole meme, right? Isn't that the meme? One does not simply walk into Mordor. Like this is crazy. It's overwhelming. Ready? Exactly. That's the whole point of this story, right? Come on, right? Mm -hmm. If you're not feeling overwhelmed right now, you're missing, not the metaphor, you're missing the fact that this is huge. And whose world is it? It is your world that you guys are living in right now, right? Okay, fair enough. I think we got the metaphor. Now that's just a, a few of them. That was a good high five, by the way. Yeah, if you have feeling that one, yeah. that was legit. All right, look, it is true. Yes, Mr. D is right. It's true. These things are real. They're not just metaphor. <laughs> Thank you, Boromir. The dream. I saw the eastern sky grow dark. But in the west, a pale light lingered. Voices crying. Doom is near at hand. Sudiur's bane is found. 
has any voice uttered the words of that tongue here and in Ladris? Do not ask your pardon, Master Aaron, for the black speech of Mordor may yet be heard in every corner of the West. The ring is altogether evil. Thank you, Gandalf. A lot of people are like, why? What's with the whole Sauron talk in Rivendell? Why is that a big deal? It's a huge deal because Rivendell is supposed to be a safe place. I mean, just to be really blunt, like our churches are supposed to be the safe place. Christian schooling is supposed, it was designed to be a safe place to learn and grow. What's the problem? All this evil talk, all this evil action, all this shadowy stuff is now creeping into where? Creeping? <laughs> what about all the sex scandals where now? In churches, right? Pornography issues are where? In churches. The money issues and embezzling money is where? In church. You're like, what the heck? Gandalf's like, hey, if we don't deal with this, we're going to be doing Mordor talk and Orc talk right here in Rivendell. He's like, no, no. Yes. Like, that's the whole point. The safe places are not even going to be safe anymore. We've got, and here in, our, in your world, where's the safe place? It's, it's like we're already at that part of the quest, right? Unfortunately, you can see why the monks back in the day were like making monasteries with walls and stuff or going to like those little islands like in Star Wars, right? Like they're, they're going across the ocean. Thanks, bro. Yep. They're going to, they tried to create these safe places and they were putting up the walls and like the cathedrals, like we got to keep at least something safe, right? And not, not even that anymore. Un unfortunately, it's hard to find a safe church or a safe house or a safe school. It is a gift. A gift to the foes Does of Boromir understand? Why not use this ring? He says it's altogether evil. Keep the forces of Mordor at bay by the blood of our people. Are your lands kept safe? Give Gondor the weapon of the enemy. Let us use it against him. You cannot wield it. None of us can. The One Ring answers to Sauron alone. It has no other master. Ooh. What? What a rage. Little tension here. Not this so no much in the book. <coughs> he is Arathorn. There's some. Son of Arathorn. I love this. You owe him your allegiance. Frodo's like, what the heck? At the king? <laughs> it's so great. When will you wake up and realize that Jesus is actually with you on the journey? <laughs> this right. is Isildur's heir. And heir to the throne of Gondor. Uh, How about Lewis? Boromir, actually, his character would not say something like this. So that's unfortunate that they changed that. But... He's definitely frustrated that Aragorn's not on the throne yet. Aragorn is right. We cannot use it. You have only one choice. Which isn't really a choice, is it? <laughs> the ring must be destroyed. What are we waiting for? <laughs> Ring 
cannot be destroyed, Gimli, son of Gloin, by any craft that we here possess. Where does it need to be taken? Mount Doom. <laughs> Where it was made. Okay, we want to deal with abortion, so let's just blow up abortion clinics and kill the abortion doctors. Will that do it? Uh, but no, no. It, it actually, wait, real quick. Why won't it? I know, maybe you're joking. I hope you're not, but why won't it? Let's go, let's go burn down all the porn factories, and that'll get rid of porn. Why won't it go away? Because people will still do it no matter what. It makes your side look bad. Well, but yeah, exactly. A, it's not effective because the clinic isn't the issue. Abortion will stop when people stop wanting to have them. Porn will stop when people stop wanting to look at it. See what's going on? So where's the actual issue? The ring needs to be destroyed where it was made. Well, where do all these issues need to be taken care of? Corporate greed will stop when we what? Deal with our hearts on where the greed's coming from, where the lust is coming from, where the fear is coming from. That's why this is so hard. Jesus knows that he can't just fix everything by stopping the Romans. He says the only way we're really going to make a change here on planet Earth is when we start changing hearts at the source of the issue. And by the way, maybe you've seen it, I've seen it, when hearts change, do things change? They actually do. That's, that's the key. The ring was made in the fires of Mount Doom. Only there can it be unmade. Must be taken deep into Mordor and cast back into the fiery chasm from whence it came. One of you <coughs> must do this. I got it. I got my pause. There it is. I've watched, what, 14 hours of these movies? How many times? I've taught it ever since they came out. Peter Jackson has this character do what? That you really shouldn't do in a movie. Break the what? Eighth wall or tenth wall or fifth wall or third wall? What wall is he breaking? Fourth wall. Breaking the fourth wall. He is looking directly into the camera. You're supposed to do that. You are not supposed to do that. He's doing it. I've checked. Like, he's looking at the other characters, and then at this point, one of you must do it. Who's he looking at? The audience. He's looking out of the screen, into the theaters, to everybody sitting in their seats. He's looking at who right now? You guys. One of you must do this. Right? And here comes the meme, right? One does not simply walk into mortar. I, if you're not feeling overwhelmed, then you're missing it. Right? This is global proportions. You already raised your hand, right? You're going to take on porn industry. Great, easy or hard? Hard. Oh my gosh, it's massive. But ready, if no one does it, what's gonna happen? It's not gonna go away. Who's gonna take on corporate greed? Who's got it? Nobody? Oh, you got it? Yeah. All right, we got somebody, thank you. <coughs> Who wants to take on pollution? You got it? We got, yes. oh, we got two, no, two. You guys can do it together, you don't have to do it alone. We got two, three, three. But like we gotta take on this issue. Easy or hard to sway the culture of our planet in regards to industrialization and pollution. Easy or hard? Come on. Super. This is big stuff. It's hard. But I, I wanna challenge you guys, like very real. If 
students don't choose to deal with this issue, if nobody in your generation does, is it going to go away? <laughs> it's not going to just stop on its own. Like we need real people to make real choices to deal with real issues. I, I appreciate that Peter Jackson took that risk to have him stare right into the camera at that moment. Now the awkward pause, they're all like, uh. One does not simply walk into Mordor. Yeah. It's like gates. There's the, the meme, right? <laughs> there is evil there that does not sleep. And the great eye is ever watchful. It is a barren wasteland. Yeah. Taking on the porn industry, dealing with pollution on our planet, political corruption, corporate greed. Not with 10,000 men could you do this. This is nuts, right? Have you heard nothing Lord Elrond has said? The ring must be destroyed. And I suppose you think you're the one to do it. And if we fail, what then? Yeah, what if we fail? What happens when Sauron takes back what is his? I will be dead before I see the ring in the hands of an elf. Is anybody else kind of tired of all the church leaders and denominations fighting each other instead of what? Fighting the enemy? Or the politicians? Everybody's fighting in politics instead of what? Dealing with issues? It's so sad to me when we all fight each other as opposed to what? The actual... The enemy's laughing at us. Satan's laughing at us when we do this. Like, oh, look at that. I got them all to fight each other. They kind of forgot about me. What? Anybody catch it? I'll, I'll take it. I'll, I'll do it. They hardly hear him. They're wondering. Does he have a big budget planned out already? Does he have a board of trustees? Does he even know where Mordor is? This is what I love about what Tolkien does here. Frodo has a willing heart. Guess where the whole thing starts? I'll do it. Like, I kind of wonder if you're like, oh, this is impossible. You guys, God's pretty well connected. He's got a decent budget. He's really powerful. I, I, I have a hunch he's up there like, is anybody willing to do this? Good. All right. I will hook you up because I want you to succeed. I've already claimed the victory. I've got all the power. I've got the wealth. I've got the connections. You want victory here? I'm here to help you succeed. But it starts with what? Tolkien nailed it. It starts with a willing heart. Are you willing to see it done? Are you willing to do it? And by the way, is Tolkien talking about you have to be three foot tall? And my little daughter Livy is the size of a hobbit. I don't think that's what he's talking about. I think, what, Frodo's like, what, 50 right now? Right? What's the metaphor even there? It's the overlooked, undervalued people in culture who can be our modern, what? Heroes, yeah, right? What'd you say? Yeah, but the modern hobbits. The, and in the story, the hobbits are the heroes. They do it. They, they actually see it done. I, uh, I say this sincerely. I'm not trying to do any ego stuff here. 
but I could have taught college. I had a job offer at Glenbard West, a job offer at Naperville Central, and a couple other job offers at other high schools. I picked WA. I picked high school students. <coughs> I picked this place to teach. To me, that was very intentional. I'm modeling after Jesus. Who did he pick? Teenagers. Pick a couple teenagers. Hey, drop those nets. Let's go. We're going to go change the world. And I looked at it. I've researched it. Why does he pick teenagers? I now, after 20 years of hanging out with you guys, I know why he picked teenagers. Because you guys can do it. At least the ones who actually believe that you can. <laughs> You guys can do it. You can go off to college. You can get the training. You can do it. I actually believe that. Is it possible without the Holy Spirit? Sorry, no. But actually, if you have God's Spirit in you, is it actually possible to deal with this stuff? Yeah. And if you don't want to buy into the myth, you don't have to. But for me, that's the Bible story, and you're sitting in a Christian school right now. <laughs> Because those disciples were real, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and we're still going, and we're still in this battle, and we're still trying to figure it out. We're in that true story where you really can do this, like they did back in the day. Fair enough? I'll take it. Here's the beauty of it. I got, and I have 12 more minutes in class. I'm going to use all those minutes. I've got some more lessons I'd love to nail in. But don't miss this one. It starts with a, I'll do it. Here's what I like, though. I like the fact that only five of you raised your hands. Are all of you Frodo's? No. This is one of the beauties of Tolkien's metaphors. I, I get so frustrated in leadership circles as a teacher who really cares about leadership. I get so frustrated when I'm like, and you're all leaders, and you all need to be leaders. That's a big lie. <laughs> Are you all leaders? No. And do you all need to be leaders? No. That would be weird because there would be no followers. Right? Like, don't buy that lie. Some of you are leaders. Some of you are Frodo's who need to take the burden and run with it. But can Frodo <coughs> do it alone? No, nor is he meant to. That's why Paul writes about the body of Christ. Arms, legs, eyes, knees, armpits, I don't know, whatever. But this, this is what's so beautiful about the next, the next 10 minutes of class, which is the next, what, one minute of the movie. Watch what happens. Frodo says yes. That's the willingness. And then look what Tolkien does. Right? Some high school student says yes. Does he have to do it by himself? Does she have to do it by herself? I will take the ring to Mordor. No. I do not know the way. Look at it. See, we get Matt Hockett will help you out, right? Or Jim Holtrop. <laughs> Jeff Brooke, maybe? I don't know. Jeff Brooke will help you out. I mean, it's the king is going to serve you and help you. He'll wash your feet and guide you. Give you his sword. You get, what? Luke Regan? 
Right, Luke Regan? And Sean McCallum. Sean McCallum will help you out here. I don't know. You get a Brad Thornton or a Brad Musso. Gonna help you out. The best fighter in Middle Earth. Those strong and a warrior. You get Ben Sawyer. Right? Come on. <laughs> I don't know. He's like the perfect Sam, isn't he? But you get Sam, a loyal friend who's good at cooking, right? To help you out. I don't know who those, th right? Skiba, maybe? <laughs> right? Like, you get two friends to help. Thanks. He's like, yeah, thanks. What? You are the fellowship. You're the fellowship of the ring. He can't. He can't do it by himself. Don't think you can. You can't. He's not designed. Jesus sent the disciples out in twos, and then they built churches. And they're supposed to be a body. We're supposed to work together. And you know what's interesting to me? I wish more of our youth groups actually looked like this. We have not done a good job creating space for wizards at the youth groups with miraculous powers and signs and wonders. We've got a lot of leaders, <laughs> and we got a lot of people bearing the burdens, and we got a lot of people who will serve, and maybe even people who will add some joy and fun. But where are the elves and the wizards, right? I don't know where you are. Like I, I think of a very real person who went here one of the Ollies, right? She was a student, sat in classes at Wheaton Academy, and she was frustrated with sex trafficking. Like, oh, sex trafficking, who wants to take care of sex trafficking on a planet? <laughs> a little overwhelming, like, okay, we got a few. Overwhelming, <laughs> yeah, huge, yeah. Guess what, she's like, you know what? I have, I, she actually, like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I hate it, and I wanna deal with it. I'll do it. And you know what? Guess what happened? Someone who can make a website for her shows up. Someone who can make videos and take powerful pictures. People donate sewing machines. She flies to India. She's pulling women out of sex trafficking, giving them sewing machines and jobs. And you can look up Hand and Cloth on your computer right now. This amazing organization by one of <coughs> Wheaton Academy's own who's fighting sex trafficking because she said what? I'll do it. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll figure it out. And along the way, all these other people helped her. Some of you are leaders. Some of you signed up for Project Lead, and you realize I like leading, I'm good at leading, I've always been a leader, I'm going to keep leading, and you need to lead. Some of you signed up for Project Lead, and you hate leading, and you're not good at it. Guess what? I'm glad you signed up for Project Lead, so you can learn that now. <laughs> and stop. <laughs> stop being a leader when you're not one. Right? Some of you didn't do anything to do with Project Lead because you don't want to and you already knew you weren't. And some of you didn't because you're leading different ways. Whatever. But I want you to get like, if you're a leader, you need, we, we need good leaders. We need our Aragorn, right? Who has the gift of healing in his hands. Some of you are Gandalfs and you're wizards with chemistry and science and physics and it's just amazing what you can do in the lab and what you can create and how you can help make a straw that will filter water. And like, what the heck? That's just awesome. So some of you are Gandalfs in the spiritual sense, where you have the gift of miracles and prophecy and signs and wonders, and you're a Gandalf. 
Is there space for Gandalfs at our school, at your youth group, at your church? Maybe you're a Gandalf, and you want to learn how to use those gifts. And, but we need Gandalfs. How would they have done without him? Some of you are Legolas with wisdom beyond your years, and you can walk on snow. Some of you are mighty warriors. You just get the job done, like a Boromir or a Gimli chopping through the legal tape, just getting it done. A Sam, some of you like to cook because we need good cooks. We need food. Some of you are really loyal friends. We need loyal friends. Jesus traveled around with the dudes. He had friends. <laughs> right? Take these two guys out of the story, and what happens to the whole story without Mary and Pippin? They die. They, I mean, well, they wouldn't finish the tale, and it would feel totally different, wouldn't it? The joy, the camaraderie, the friendship. We're meant to do this in fellowship, in relationship, as friends. Tolkien puts four of them out of nine. It's a big ratio. Now, one last lesson with my last three minutes of class. And this, I want to end with this. This is the saddest thing that I see in high school, and I'm sure if I taught college, I have talked to my college professor friends who say the same thing. What's super sad is when we get people who are Sams, but the world's told them they have to be an Aragorn. So you've got a Sam who likes cooking, who's a loyal friend, who's thinking, well, I gotta be a king, I gotta be a leader, because mom and dad say so, or the church guy said I have to be a leader, and so you have a Sam trying to be an Aragorn. How's that gonna go? Will we get another Aragorn? Can Sam be an Aragorn? No, he'll suck at it. Let's be really honest. And by the way, he's trying to be Aragorn, guess who we lose? We lose a Sam, yeah. Well, yeah, but we lose a Sam in that. What if, Leg what if Legolas is like, well, you know, I kind of like Pippin, everybody laughs at him, so I'm gonna be more like a Pippin. If, if Legolas tried to be a Pippin, would it work? And we would lose a Legolas. Are we tracking here? What's so sad to me, I watch it year after year, students succumbing to pressure from parents or church or even the Wheaton Academy culture that you've gotta be this certain way, and then these students are trying to be what they're not, and they're not good at it, but they're also not being themselves. So we lose both sides. We don't gain something because you're not good at it. And B, you're not being what you're good at. So you're not good at what you're good at. You need to be who? You. God made you to be you. The reason why this works so well is he's legless the whole time and he loves it and he's awesome at it. And he's getting out the whole time. Like they are who they are and they're excellent at it. They're good at it. They like it. They don't envy each other. They love each other. And it works. And they destroy the ring. Like, it works. Fair enough? I want to leave class with this. Like, figure out the ring. Go destroy it. Figure out what type you are, who you are, who God made you to be. And then be awesome at being you. A, you'll be awesome. B, you'll like it way better. C, you won't be wasting your time trying to be something that you're not and not being good at it, which is the lose-lose. Satan wins at that point. If you haven't figured it out in high school, then I'm glad you've got college. Figure it out. College is a great time to figure it out. It really is. Making enough sense? Yeah? I guess your homework is go destroy some rings. How's that sound?
Thanks. What was that? Go be yourself. Yeah, go be yourself and then join. I like with the Frodo, either build it and go for it, or maybe you could join a Frodo who's doing it and help them out. And then just be awesome at being you, who God made you to be, and be filled with his spirit, because we can do it. You can do it. You guys are awesome. Cheers. All right. There's more work to be done, but we have come a long way.